Welcome to Season 2 of Visiting's radio show where we talk to artists who are engaged with the public outside traditional exhibition spaces. I'm Alan Nakagawa. Leslie Kamiko Ward is an interdisciplinary artist and educator rooted in dance. I spoke with Leslie over the internet. Leslie now is based uh, in Portland. This edited version of our 90-minute chat includes topics such as rural life, education, the 10-year funding program Art Place, and mental health. If you are someone who might be sensitive to triggers, please be aware, although we don't uh, go into great depths. So usually I ask the artist to uh, state their name and their title. I don't never know my... I will. So I will say my name is Leslie Kamika Ward, and I never know my title. It really changes depending on who I'm talking to. Hmm. So in the case of visiting, where we're talking to artists who work outside of museums and galleries... Then I am an artist who works outside of museums and galleries. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even think about how long it's been. Too long. But I follow you on Facebook, so I sometimes feel like, you know, we're still hanging out, but not the same. It's it's deceptive. I know. (laughs) (laughs) So you are... Working on some major stuff there, what you sent me. Yeah. Can you so explain that? I, I can. Um, okay. it, it feels kind of like a project that came together all at once, one after the other, but as the latest capstone in sort of my creative and scholarly venture through this work. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I just finished up a master's degree in a master's of arts in teaching in education and some specializations for elementary ed students and English for speakers of other languages. And my original artist background is in dance. I grew up as a dancer. Um, I went through, I was a a dancer and I did some um, cultural Japanese taiko drumming performing um, when I was um, younger and more agile, and I also um, <laughs> I also went and 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 pursued a dance degree. I started off thinking I was going to have to quit dancing and go to my real life and my real career, but soon um, was guided by a wonderful professor who said, "Why are you getting an English degree? You should really go dance. You have a limited amount of time." And so ah. I left and got a dance degree from the Ohio State University. And went into teaching from the time I was 15, I think, just because Hmm. I'm super curious and I wanted, it was just a natural path for a young dancer to start teaching younger dancers. And then I found that I liked that maybe more sustainably than performing. Ah. And so when it came time to sort of choose which one matched me the most, Mm -hmm. teaching was a better match for me, although I still enjoyed performing as a hobby. I definitely taught as a um, as a bread and butter and as a way to learn more about my field and more about the people around me. And so, fast forward to um, dancer retirement, which happens somewhere in your mid twenties. And if you, unless you're 
world class and then you can hang on till about 45 but at a certain <laughs> point like you've got I entered out like many dancers do and I had to think well what do I do now I was still able to teach but I wasn't able to teach in the way that I thought that I wanted to my body was aging and my mind was growing at a speed faster than my body could keep up and so <laughs> Um, I started volunteering or started moving my practice into the elementary schools and doing outreach as a dancer and performing artist out in schools. And wow. once I got into the public system of education, um, I really hit a groove and found that there were infinite inspiration points to keep me busy um, from the kids that walked in the room who looked very different than the, than the students that I had cut my teeth teaching on in um, private studio ballet atmospheres. Um, and their needs were really different, and what they were asked to do was really different. Their environment was really different, and the content and what they were learning and being able to find some bridges and connections with the kids and the learning was just like an infinite playground. And mm -hmm. so I kept following my curiosity mm -hmm. and continue just this path of creative discovery in that line between arts and education and then somewhere along that line um jamie bennett plucked me out of the chaff <laughs> <laughs> he's good at place. that he's amazing right <laughs> just plucked me out of the river and shook me off and plunked me in the middle of um um this whole new conversation on infrastructure and economic development and I was learning new words like plenary and um, fiscal responsibility. <laughs> There was never a path really laid out for me towards civic engagement, and mm -hmm. suddenly I was—I felt like I was swimming in the deep end, and I was um, looking over all of these incredible um, uh, projects from around the country as a member of a, a grant panel that you and I were both on, and um, just looking around and going, "This is how people are practicing their." art you know mm -hmm. i had never been particular about dance was where i started so dance is kind of my artistic home mm -hmm. i live in my body i'm an embodied person we all are and i'm aware of it because i've trained in that discipline um but i was never picky if it had to come out in drawing or in um writing or in video or in claymation or in whatever the whatever the form is that made the most sense for me communicating whatever i wanted to say So this civic engagement work where my eyes had been widened and I had been inhaling as much of education as I could, suddenly somebody unleashed me in education and transportation and economic development and, you know, all of the things. <laughs> and right. I learned that I learned that urban planning was a thing. I learned about what architects do and how architecture and engineering overlap with what I do and how we speak similar, we have similar affinity points that are different than an urban planner might have with an architect or then a tribal elder might have with an architect you know we all have these different touch points and so the more i learned about everybody's touch points the more conversations i got to eavesdrop on the more um inspiration pools i get to kind of hang out in and soak up whatever it is that people are 
are sharing of what drives them and what they love and about whatever it is they do. And I learned that it's not art specific and it's not um, job specific. And it's in the same way that it's not um, discipline dependent. It doesn't have to be painting. It doesn't ha- it can be, um, I've heard some of the most creative, eloquent descriptions of the world come out of the mouths of urban planners, mm-hmm. you know, and, or of, um, uh, mathematical folks who work with math- mathematical models you know i mean they're they're we're all artists in our own right working through our own medium the benefit of the discipline of dance is that it gave me not a lot of baggage um for my artwork i don't have to store anything in a mm-hmm. room anywhere <laughs> <laughs> it comes with me half the um, audience is going oh <laughs> i know i've never had equipment <laughs> i don't even need music um right. i don't i my body is my instrument it changes all the time so i get a new instrument every moment every day um that was really frustrating to me in my 20s it's wondrous and amazing to me now in my mid-40s and um that the the distillation for me of the value of dance is this ability to because of its ephemeral nature it can not hold because it can't hold anything but it can communicate in a fleeting moment it can and reflect um different aspects of humanity back to itself in in ways that are very resonant tangible and embodied and that's and and as a dancer you learn to get out of the way so that the dance can happen um like a golfer you learn how to get out of the way so the perfect swing happens you know like any anybody at the top of their field what you're striving for is to be as much of a witness in the moment as you are just making space for that moment to exist the project that i'm doing which i think was your original question (laughs) (laughs) was there a question there was i should warn you that i did spend a lot of time as a child just sort of chattering into whatever handheld microphone i could make so wait i apologize what do you what do you (laughs) when i was a kid oh my Uh gosh i just talked how old are we talking about like three, four. Okay. I started oh, okay. talking when I was really young. And mm-hmm. my parents, because I was such a chatterbox, would can me something, tell me it was a microphone, and then I would go and entertain myself for like wow. an hour. So That's I've been fantastic. talking I've been talking into lamps and hairbrushes my entire life. <laughs> 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 so it's really That's not a such problem. a great image. <laughs> but the project mm-hmm. is now the latest iteration of wherever I am in my oh, like, right. long, long-term I remember artistic now. process, yeah. right? Okay. We're back full circle. <laughs> we made it. Um, which is, what is it? So um, it's a collaborative um, project. So I've got a lot of really great people who are weighing in as part of a network of just people who are sort of interested in this idea of creating online programs and um, um, some tools that are going to help um, accelerate learning progress for students from kindergarten through high school and specifically looking at doing that through the hmm, through the delivery of these online programs that offer life skills they offer and life skills could be critical thinking it could be how to ask for help. It could be um, 
how to emotionally regulate, how to calm down or how to focus. Um, it could be life skills like um, providing insight into an indigenous worldview that says we look for balance and harmony or some cultural sharing. I mean, all of those soft skills that kind of require are helpful for us to work in community. In addition to arts integration in science, technology, engineering, design, math, literacy, all of the major content components that in Western culture we think school is, um, that I'm integrating the arts into it because for me that content is a, a wellspring of artistic inspiration, you know, an, an artistic take on, um, gosh, how to um, use more descriptive words in language if you're talking about a third grader who has to adhere to a writing standard and they need to use more, and especially if they're a, a second language learner and they need to learn how to use words that are more descriptive than good or nice or funny. Um, how can you bridge that um, experience using art, using movement specifically, but also pulling in from other artistic disciplines? Mm -hmm. um, and then also really centering indigenous and cross-cultural youth leadership. So opportunities to um, include the people who were excluded from the original narrative when our institutions of scholastic achievement were um, envisioned and built and created, who was left out of that planning table and how do you center, recenter those uh, voices and make sure the needs of those students are not just met, but really woven into the fabric of the experience and um, then an access for students and teachers and educators to a network of cross-cultural professionals who are doing like just these fascinating people like you and other folks who I'm just meeting around the world who have something really important to say about the work they do and the place they are and who they are and also are representational so through things like maybe a Skype class or maybe um, an, a recorded interview that a student in a classroom who really needs to see themselves reflected in a career they can envision or a role model that they can look up to has something tangible that they can not only watch separate from them, but then interact with, ask a question of this expert in this mm -hmm. network. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to know, I'm a girl and I'm interested in coding, or I'm interested in like engineering or some sort of interesting field, but I don't see myself. Oh, wait, what? I have a wonderful, um, you know, multicultural um, 3D modeler who lives in Brooklyn, who also happens to be, you know, my my half Japanese cousin, who um, has great things to say for for girls to get them into an industry that um, where she blends fashion and uh, digital technology, and you know, and then a student can see themselves reflected or. Maybe I don't have that person represented. Maybe I don't have what it is that the school needs or that the child needs. Well, then it's up to me and this collective to be responsive and start to make room and ask the questions of why isn't this person feel included at the table and how do we strengthen our networks in that direction? By having this sort of collective, what does it mean on the ground? It just means right now I'm just... The little projects are, I'm, I'm just um, starting a partnership with a teaching team um, in a third grade school in Portland who need uh, 
the time and the bandwidth to write for grants. They have this great, fantastic social justice take on how they're going to approach some of their curriculum. And they also have to plan their class every day. And the expectations for teachers in the school day are unrealistic. And so they need the support. Well, that's where the other arm of this vision that I have is to create that network also of grant support. So the benefit of my experience being a fly on the wall in grant making and getting to work in these other sectors is that maybe there's a uh, non uh, an outside of the box partner Mm -hmm. that could come in to help fiscally partner also Mm -hmm. maybe there's this this teacher would be best served by crowdsource funding with a grant match they don't know about but maybe they're also eligible for funding in all of these places that i hear these foundations really want to find people so Mm -hmm. i'm just sitting in the middle and listening really closely and then sort of matching people up with their resources and then working really hard on behalf of whoever i happen to be working with closely to make sure that their needs get met and they feel supported in the space. And then I'll be subbing in the schools um, with my master's degree and my teaching credentials and prioritizing subbing, substitute teaching in, in districts where I think they need the most support just mm-hmm. to get on the ground and see what kids need and see what teachers need and see where um, what we have might be useful and then do little projects like that. Nice. Ta-da! Ta-da! what is art place okay well um art place probably explains themselves best and i'm going to get some of the numbers wrong because i don't have their that's okay no just you know briefly but i can say their creative place making organization is what they call themselves but they Mm -hmm. look to situate arts and culture at the center of um community problem solving is is how I understand them. And it's been a dedicated funding and research stream for 10 years to do that in significant ways and projects around the country and um, gather a portfolio and look to see if does funding in this direction, what happens, you know, when you do. So that's my understanding of what they do in the briefest nutshell. So I had left Alaska. I lived in Alaska for 10 years working as an artist in that community. I um, stumbled into some very important work um, by being in a residency in a village and um, having a tragedy happen in the village and responding as an artist and inadvertently positioning myself as a suicide prevention expert um, in a very difficult space in Alaska mm. because my artistic gesture went out with a message of suicide prevention and suddenly I was kind of overwhelmed as an artist <clears throat> without the emotional and social infrastructure to withstand the pressure of being a suicide prevention expert with no training. And I did that work as best I could, held that space for about a year in Alaska, but then I I couldn't. I, my own mental health had suffered too much, and so I left. I moved down to Oregon. I quit a job with uh, with full-time faculty at a university with health insurance and benefits and said, I'm going to go farm sheep in Oregon. Thank you very much. <laughs> and I left. <laughs> and, and I uh, helped my father um, 
start a sustainable um, farmstead in rural Oregon, in the Willamette Valley, and then and was still keeping a little bit of a toe dipped in the water. I'd had a grant from to write a memoir, to write some of my work into a memoir, um, and I was still doing some artistic residency work whenever I could and doing some remote work. And that's when I um, took a, a gig to perform at the Governor's Arts Awards in Juneau. I don't remember what year. Five-ish years ago, I think. Okay. And... Um, uh, Jamie Bennett was there, and I think at that time, he, I don't know if he was representing Art Place or if he was representing. Uh, he was introduced to me as someone who was formally um, or who was engaged with the National Endowment of the, uh, for oh. the Arts. So that's how how he was introduced to me in mixed company. Mm. But as often as the case in Alaska and in Juneau in particular, we all get fogged in. Oh. We can't leave. <laughs> Nobody else can come in. Many of the artists who were scheduled p- to perform are fogged out. The governor, the governor, and a handful oh. of us, including Jamie Bennett, are all uh, wow. are fogged in into Juno, and we are that way for the next three days. And over those next, yeah, <laughs> over those because Alaska time is, you know, like this construct of calendars and clocks is very nice, um, but it's not the way Mother Nature works, and. Um, the balance of Mother Nature versus calendar and clock time is different <laughs> in Alaska because, you know, northern lights, moose, I don't know, fog, um, hmm. snow. So uh, we all get fogged in, oh, and I just I keep see. awkwardly ending up near Jamie Bennett all the time. Like, I end up next to him at a restaurant, I end up behind him in line, to the point where I feel like I'm awkwardly stalking wow. him, although I have, I just keep running into him. When we finally get to leave, I'm behind him at the airport, you know, with the ticket desk. What? And then I get my ticket and I go to sit down on the plane and I realize oh, I have the adjoining seat. I'm <laughs> sitting right next to it. <laughs> we have long since run out of small talk. <laughs> and, and I feel terrible because I feel like I'm just blathering on at this very important person in the art world. And... You know, and what do I know? So um, he's very polite and he's very, um, he's very kind. And at a certain point, I just remember to to me, it just sounded exasperated, but maybe it wasn't. Maybe that was my insecurity. But he just said, do you have a card? (laughs) And I didn't because I wasn't an anyone. I was a shepherd in the middle of (laughs) of 30 miles outside of a town with no stoplight in the middle of nowhere in Oregon. And, uh... (laughs) said no but i took a piece of paper (laughs) i wrote my name and phone number on it i folded it into an origami crane and i handed it to him and then then i went home and i cried to my girlfriend at the time and i said oh you know how sometimes you get a big break you know for an actor like or a model like an agent discovery to i was like i was just on the airplane with the most important person that I've ever met in the art world and he asked me for a card and I wrote my number on a stupid piece of paper. Anyway, cried. Then get this random email asking me to to be a part of this art place process and still didn't put any of those pieces together until I went to the training and I walk in the room for the first time in uh, Phoenix, I think it was. Maybe Seattle. Seattle. And I walk into the room and I see Jamie Bennett. (laughs) 
I thought, I had no idea. There's people, and I got an, an email from, just an email that just said, hi, you've been selected to, would you be interested in, in reading proposals for this organization? You've been, your, your name was recommended. And I was like, and it was great. I was living and working on the farm um, for the last seven or seven years that I was on the farm. For that seven years, I was making less than $8,000 annually and growing my own food and living off of a very small income. And um, so that was something I could do from the farm. I mean, not really from the farm. I'd have to drive in to the Starbucks because rural broadband is a real problem. But um, driving to the Starbucks, but I could do that work and still be on the farm and um, and caring for my livestock and, um, you know, dealing with the planting all of the plants and tending all of the gardens and um, and living very quietly. And the work fit into my lifestyle and my life. And for some reason, they wanted my opinion. <laughs> and the rest is... It gave me a structure to sort of... Um, to examine and to um, to critically think about and to find my place inside of and to find my place outside of. And it just gave me this whole new um, lens and view on systems that I participated in all the time. I just never actively was mindful of the many, many people who are behind the systems, who are, in, who are making the systems work. So... Um, you know, like urban planning. Until Art Place, I just never, it I took for granted that cities happen. They just are. <laughs> They're just a thing. They're just there. You know, like the, all of the, the incredible decisions that people make about uh, how people move and, and uh, what their needs are and all the, the care that folks take to make a world that they think is the world that uh, we should live in. It, it it happens at so many levels that as an artist, I egotistically thought only we knew, you know, but, but whoever's a framer on a building is taking the same care to create something for, to be inhabited and to be uh, examined and critically thought of and, and maybe inspired by or just disappear into the nothingness for somebody else. In the same way that somebody who's designing a bus stop um, is thinking about and creating this thing. I mean, there's so many artists, like I said, in our community that don't recognize themselves as artists and artists who don't recognize themselves as community members and engage as, as active participants in these systems. <laughs> So right now, if people want to find out more about the project that's continually under construction, it's um, they can look at bit.ly bit forward slash crane tree slides, C-R-A-N-E-T-R-E-E-S-L-I-D-E-S, all one word. And they can look there and they can find the slide deck of the project that we're kind of uh collaboratively beginning together, knowing that it's really nothing more than a kernel of an idea and some people who are excited about it. (laughs) 
like it's the ground it's the most grounded you ever are as a ballet dancer is in plie so the first thing you learn when you're three years old but then when you're you know when i'm 43 years old um i do the same plie and suddenly i'm like transported to maybe a time when i was three and what did my body feel like when i was doing the same plie um and there's all these different dimensions inside of this one movement and factors and i could pay attention to what my i could track anything i could track my pelvic floor in a plie i could track the temperature in the room i could track the feeling in the bottom surfaces of my fingertips you know there's an infinite number of sensations that you could choose to tune into um and as a dancer the key is how do you tune into them all at once plus everything that you ever were and everything that you ever could be to have that like quintessential perfect moment you know knowing that it's just a moment and then as soon as you have it it's gone that's the other thing i love about dance you make a mistake it's already in the past it disappeared as soon as you made it every moment's a new moment and like if you're not aware of that then you're not dancing you could be observing dancing or going through the motions of dancing or critiquing dancing but none of the things are dancing besides getting out of as much out of your way as possible and releasing into dancing and and how do you do that as quickly as possible is the practice you know and as efficiently as possible um is the practice and i love that about about positionality and intersectionality it's like you're doing the same thing like it's the same thing that i love it's so many details all at once but through that discipline like i have some tangible way to practice it That concludes another episode of Visitings. Thank you to Leslie Kamiko Ward for taking the time to chat. You can find more episodes of Visitings Radio Show at SoundCloud, iTunes, or on our website, visitings.net. If you visit us on SoundCloud or iTunes, please leave a comment so more people can learn about our show. I'm Alan Nakagawa sitting in my living room in Koreatown saying thank you for listening to Visitings.